Welcome to Create Your Own Light, where we harness our past, we embrace our future, and learn to conquer the roadblocks along the way together. I'm your host, Travis Howes. Let's get on with it. This episode is brought to you by YourWelder.com. YourWelder.com is an online directory of mobile welders. Whether at your home or at your industrial processing plant, we come to you. Our community of mobile welders can repair anything from the neighbor's mailbox that you just backed into or the cat bulldozer sitting on your job site. YourWelder.com is a directory of highly skilled professionals willing to help you on your job site on your timetable. YourWelder.com screens all of their welders using tools like photos from social media apps such as Instagram, Parler, and Facebook, even face-to-face meetups. YourWelder.com was built by actual industry welding experts who actually perform this type of work on a daily basis. And here's the best part. They're veteran-owned and operated. So go check them out at YourWelder.com. And also feel free to check them out on social media where I'll include their links in the show notes. I cannot tell y'all how difficult it is to come up with new content every week. I thought in the beginning when I was, you know, hit episode one, I'd have so much to talk about. And boy, have I. I've had a lot to talk about. And it's every time when I think I'm out of content, I'm like, shit, what am I going to talk about next week? What what can I get into next week? Something always happens. And I have to take what I've started doing is I've had the pleasure since I've been doing this podcast and, you know, talking around the country about post-traumatic purpose and teaching my classes. I get to meet a lot of people. And the good thing is, is a lot of people in our industry, in um, the emergency services industry, family members, et cetera. And in doing so and in meeting these people, conversations happen. Um, People listen to podcasts, they offer feedback, and then uh, I develop personal relationships with certain people. um, Just because when you're involved with these events that I do, that that's what happens. You meet people. Now, you know, somebody, they're not just a screen name on Instagram. Now that's a real person. And you have a relationship with these people. You spend time with them. You get to know them. And just because I leave town doesn't mean we never talk again. So, um, apparently the last episode that I did episode 40 compassion fatigue, apparently that got a lot of feedback. (laughs) Um, and I'm glad it did because we talked about some really hard things in that episode and we, we really opened up a can of worms, been that can of worms being the fucking truth. And it's the truth about the substance abuse that takes place in our industries. And it's about the, the way that we use these substances as a crutch and how we justify um, being able to address the hard things that we're not able to address when we're completely sober and I'm going to be, I'm going to be just completely frank here. And this isn't about, um, I, you know, when I got in this podcast, this wasn't about making friends for me. This is about trying to do something different about trying to actually use my voice and my experiences to help people. And that's what I got to do. And if it hurts feelings, if it uh, if it rubs people the wrong way with the message that I put a cr- put out there and I put across, if me being one hundred percent real and honest on this podcast is going to hurt your feelings, then maybe maybe you do need to take that personally, and maybe you do need to take a fucking look deep inside of yourself and do something about it. I'm not being judgmental. 
but I can't help when I develop relationships with people, when I see them doing the same dumb shit that I used to do and what we used to do before we knew better. And you know that that's going to affect their lives and it's going to affect their family's lives and it's going to affect their job at some point. And at some point, their stupid fucking decision is going to cost them everything they ever worked for, just like it did me. Then you know what? I'm ready to hurt your fucking feelings because maybe that's what you need. Maybe that's maybe that's what I needed back in the day. Maybe I needed somebody to slap me in the face and pull me to the side and shake me and be like, hey, dude, you need to wake the fuck up. You're about to you're really about to lose everything you've worked for, which is exactly what happened because we didn't talk about it back then. We couldn't even spell PTSD back then. We didn't know that this was an issue. And the fucking thing is now. We all know that. We all know that this is an issue. We know mental wellness is at the forefront of our industry and it's at the forefront of our families. And what pisses me off the most, I'm far from perfect. I'm so fucked up, it's not even funny. But you know what? I own my shit and I try to work on it daily. And if there's something in front of me that I know is stopping me from becoming a stronger man, and a stronger person, then I look at that that obstacle and I figure out how to conquer that obstacle without making excuses, without taking the easy way out and blaming it on somebody or something, some entity. I don't do that anymore. But I did that back in the day because honestly I was weak. And we pride ourselves on being so tough in this business, whether you're a woman, whether you're a man, whether you don't identify to either one, whatever the fuck, you know what I'm saying? And we, we, we pride ourselves on being so tough, but yet we're not even strong enough to help ourselves. And that's weak. I'm fired up this morning, man. And I say, I say this all the, all the time, tough guys die weak. And it, there's honestly, I think I invented that saying, I never heard it anywhere else. I was spouting off at the mouth on one of these podcasts when I said that. And it's true. I look at I look at the way I was on the job. I'm not saying I was the baddest motherfucker on the job, but I was a pretty tough dude. And I died weak. I fizzled out of that career weak and completely battered. And in the bottom of a pit and a hole, alone, and completely in shambles. And that's what I'm talking about. It's okay to go out. And do tough guy shit, tough girl shit. We can still go out and do that. But we also have to have the ability to come back home, come back to our our place of business, our firehouse, our squad room, if you're a police officer, you know, dispatchers, if you know, back to wherever it is that you go to to regain your composure. Um it's alright to be tough in the moment, but it's also alright. To come back and be completely honest with ourselves and be like, that fucked me up. And I don't need to resort to a substance to help me get through that. What I need to resort to is someone that can relate to me. Someone that I experienced this with. And why can't we just sit down together and talk about this? There's a reason why my heart is in my throat right now. And we're going to get to it. This is, um, I don't single anybody out. You guys know how I roll on this podcast. You're always, I would never mention your name. 
your department. I will never mention, I will never even hint as to who you are if I talk about you on here unless you want me to, okay, unless it's in a good light. But you got to understand, everybody listening to this podcast, you come here for a reason. And you come here, hopefully, to gain some insight, to gain some knowledge. Maybe to hear some dick jokes here and there, hear about some weird shit. But ultimately, the goal of this podcast is all so we can develop this little community of people that help one another. And what I heard last night, what I'm going to talk to you about last night on my way home, I was disgusted. But I've been there, so I understand it. The reason why I'm disgusted is because I had a hand in helping make the situation better. And I feel like a failure. And I feel like I've failed some people. You can't help but feel that way. I know ultimately at the end of the day, it's not my decision. And I say that you can lead a horse to water. You can't make it drink. I mean, that's we say that all the time. The work has to come from the individual that wants to be better, that wants to do better. But they get so accustomed to doing the same stupid shit and they get so accustomed to letting peer pressure, peer pressure control them because they're so concerned about what other people may think. Well, hey, you're my buddy. And if I don't go crack a fucking beer with you, you're go- you, may, you may think less of me. Well, fuck, you don't need friends like that if that's the case. So we cave. We cave into that peer pressure. And God damn it, I just said it on the last fucking episode. If you're taking your friends out for drinks that you know are having problems... You're enabling. That's unacceptable. Getting drinks is one thing, but going out, getting drinks, trying to talk about your problems over it, putting you in a worse fucking state than when you were when you arrived, and then leaving alone, separate, you might as well be putting a fucking gun in each other's hands. That's the phone call I got last night. I got a text last night that concerned me. So I picked up the phone and I called this brother who was listening to my podcast at the exact same time. First words out of his mouth was, damn, you interrupted my podcast. And I could hear it in his voice. I heard he was drunk right away. Then it upset me. I didn't say anything. I wasn't trying to berate my man because I get it. You're in a bad place. I'm proud of him because he owned it. He says, I failed tonight. I'm an enabler. And I took my friend out and I enabled him. And I said, well, what are you going to do about that? He said, I'm in a leadership position. People look up to me. And I, and I completely enabled another, another brother who is not doing well at all. Who I know also, by the way, And that's what pisses me off about this situation. These two guys need help. And they think they're helping one another by going out and cracking some beers and getting all fucked up. And it upsets me because now these guys are family to me because I know them. I can put a face with a fucking name now. This isn't just a screen name behind Instagram. I I know what the future holds. I know what's coming down the pipe if they don't knock it off. I don't want to get that fucking call. I've spoken openly to both of these guys about this shit. 
They've listened to this podcast just like all of you do. Then they still go out and do it. And part of me thinks it's because I know how I used to be. And I would put myself in vulnerable positions so shit would happen to me. So things would happen to me. But they never did. I couldn't do it completely sober. I couldn't do it. Say I didn't have the balls to do it. I I talk about it in my course. The will to live is so fucking strong. You have to override the thought of death. And you have to rewire your brain to be comfortable with death to the point where it's okay. And that's a hard thing to do. I've been there many times and couldn't do it. So what did I do? I turned to the fucking bottle because I didn't have the balls to do it. And I knew the bottle would give me the balls and that's weak as fuck. And I'm sitting here and I'm getting fucking mad. Because if I was these, if I was a supervisor in this position, I'd pull these motherfuckers to the side and I'd change some shit. And if you can't fix your shit, you don't deserve to be in a supervisor position. People depend on you. People need you at your best. It's okay to have a drink or two. But after knowing what we know now, knowing it's okay to get help, there's perfectly acceptable now. Knowing we can go meet and talk with one another openly about whatever it is, with fuck, what the fuck ever it is we're going through. We can talk about it. And we also are educated enough to know we should not do that when we have alcohol in our system. Because all that does is makes the, the deeper, darker places even deeper and even darker and more depressed. And when we leave that situation with whomever it is we're talking to, we're leaving in a deeper, darker state, not in control of our faculties and our real thoughts. And that's the most dangerous place a human can, human being can be. And I'm going to call you out. Not, not This isn't directed at who I had a phone call with. This is directed to anybody listening to this right now. If you know someone is suffering, one of your people, and you take them out for drinks, that's on you. Whatever happens after that, that's on you. If you enable them, it's on you. Have the fucking courage to tell them no. Have the courage to be a real brother, a real sister, and be like, let's not do that today. Let's go sit down and do something different. I'm not going to enable your fucking problem. Who's ever heard that um, that saying it takes a bigger man to walk away? Um, I'm going to spin that in a different context. I know the peer pressure of when a friend calls you and wants you to go out for drinks. I get it. I'm not trying to turn this into a fucking AA group because everybody, you look, do your thing. I'm not trying to say you quit drinking. But you know, you know the people that want to go get those drinks. You know why they want to get those drinks. And you know every time you say yes to it, you're not helping that situation. You're actually making it fucking worse. Without realizing it. Now you're hearing it. Now you know the truth. What are you going to do with that truth? You can't pretend like you didn't hear this. You can't pretend like you don't know this now. It takes a bigger man to walk away. 
And that means sometimes you got to tell your friends no. And I learned that in the comedy business a long time ago. Somebody told me, you're going to want to work so much that you're going to do everything you can. Anytime somebody offers you something, you're going to say yes. But the hardest thing you can ever do in this business is start telling people no. Because they're going to use you and they're going to abuse you. And that's exactly what your friends are doing without knowing it. When they want you to come be by their side while they drink away their fucking sorrows. They're using you as a crutch now because they know you can't tell them no. They know you won't tell them no. They know that you'll come there and you will enable them. And until you start cutting that, that, that button off, that enabling button, that turn it into a disable button. We got to disable our enabling button. And that's, that's it. That's how simple it is. I can't tell, I can't tell you how many times I've told people when I was drunk, when I was, um, wasn't in control of my, my feelings, my faculties that I loved them and opened up and talked about stuff that I had buried inside. Right. I can't tell you how many times that happened, but I can tell you probably on three fingers, how many times I did that sober (laughs) because it's hard. It's very difficult to. To sit down with somebody and, and express your real true feelings. And that's why we always resort to substances. Because it makes it easier. And I look at that now. I see it differently. I see a weak human being. If you got to depend on something. To really put your shit out there. We all have people that we can trust. There's someone in your corner somewhere that you can trust. You can sit down with. And you don't have to get sloppy drunk to do it. I'm sorry I'm passionate about this. We're 16 minutes in. Minus the fucking um, advertisement in the beginning. So the timeline's off always when I say how long we're in. But I'm passionate about this. I quit drinking nine years ago and I'm not saying I'm the blueprint. Don't be like me because I still have problems. And there's a lot of times, trust me, I know what it's like to want one. I'm constantly surrounded by alcohol when I go do events. And I see everybody having a good time. And it hurts me because I want to be doing that. I want to feel numb sometimes. I want to be able to kind of let my hair down and, and just and laugh about dumb shit that's not even funny. Because it's funny. I fucking looking at people do that, it's funny. But I know the danger that that would present for me. I know the place that that might put me in. And, and not right then around people. Listen to what I'm telling you right now. When I, when I go back and I'm alone, I know where that takes me. I know what it does to me. And I know the danger that puts my family in and my children in. And I know in the blink of an eye, because I'm not in control at that time, I know what that outcome could potentially be. And that's why I don't do it. It's not that I don't think I can interact with people when I'm drunk. That's not the problem. I could interact very, very well. I'm worried. And it scares me about where it would send me after the interaction is gone. And I'm speaking from experience. And you got you got to understand that when you send these your friends off alone or when you're sitting there drinking alone and, and doing whatever you're doing to yourself, you're getting one step closer to that. That place that 
that can change everybody's lives for the worse, you know? Um, so we got to be mindful of that. And we got to be able to be stronger than that. You know, strength in numbers kind of thing. Um, I'm not trying to start a movement here. I'm not trying to get a new t-shirt made saying put the bottle down. But God damn it, have some, have some moral courage. Just learned that good word from my boy, Norm, in Florida this past weekend at the uh, Mental Wellness Summit that we were doing, the Bearing the Burden, um, Bearing the Burden Mental, Mental Health Summit. My buddy Norm spoke on moral courage, and it's, I mean, it's not the first time I've heard it, but he did a very good presentation on it. And uh, Norm is an assistant chief with Joint, op, joint Base here in Charleston. And he talked about stepping up to the plate and doing what's right. And I've always felt that way. I've just never used that word. It's, me, it's the word is integrity. It's kind of like, who are you when nobody's looking kind of thing, right? And if you saw, let me ask you a question. I'll, I'll put this in a question for him. If you saw your friend on the side of the road with a gun in his hand saying, I don't, I don't want, I want to die. I want to die. Would you just keep on walking or would you go over there? And you tried to do the right thing and talk him out of that situation. Okay. You do the right thing and talk him out of that situation. Well, what we're doing when we start enabling one another, when we go out and we, we put ourselves in these situations, let's go have a couple beers and talk about it. You're doing the opposite. You're actually walking right by him while he's got the gun in his hand, sitting there telling you he wants to die. You're actually just walking right by and you're not doing the right thing. And sometimes it just takes hearing shit. Um, you know, I really didn't believe in this podcast in the beginning. I really didn't. I just thought I was like, ah, this shit ain't going to mean anything. I know what I want to do with it. Uh, I want to have a voice. I want to talk about my story and hopefully talk about other people's stories. Like I am today, the good and the bad. And, uh, hopefully we can all get something from it. And then I got a message yesterday that, I mean, I get a lot of feedback and I get some inboxes and stuff, but I got a powerful message yesterday from a Chattanooga firefighter telling me that seven Chattanooga firefighters have now went and t- went to um, have made appointments to go seek mental health treatment after listening to this podcast. Seven from one department. And it makes me want to cry because I know what they're going through. And I just hope that um, I hope that they can stay in the fight because that's what this is. So um, this stuff, but it makes me happy to know that good comes from what we do here together, right? It makes me happy to know that that old way of thinking, that suck it up shit that we always dealt with and that we are never able to have emotions to anything is falling by the wayside. And um, 
you never know one of those seven guys who didn't go get help. You don't you don't know their stories, and nobody does. Only they do, and you don't know how much shit they're dealing with, and you don't know where they are in their journey. You don't know. You don't know if they've been on the couch with a gun in their mouth saying goodbye like I've been before. You don't know if they're that far into it. And uh, cause that's what it took for me to finally get help. I get asked all the time, what did it take for you to get help? And it, that's what it took. It took me having a gun in my mouth and um, pulling the trigger with a live round in there and stopping just before the, uh, before it went off. That's what it took for me. And that's what I go back to that, that will to live is you think you want to die. And, uh, when you've come to that, that, that point in your life, you, you really think you want to die. But then you just can't do it because it's that hard to fucking go through with it. Even even drinking like I was that night. But I hope those guys and girls, whoever they are, I hope they're not at I hope they weren't at that point because I know what I've had to had to go through just to get back to where I am now, you know, and it's uh I had a talk with a therapist and she was like, you know, I don't know if I described this on an episode before or not, but she said there's a there's a scale with post traumatic stress being at the very bottom. It's very minor exposure, and then you got then it goes up to a peak where a person can only get so high on that peak. And she said, "That's where you are. You're at that. You're at that highest peak. And there's only one way for you to go if you want to be well, and that's go back down that fucking mountain." And I compare it to the mountain climber on The Price Is Right when he keeps on fucking hiking, and you get to the top of that mountain. Which way are you gonna go? Knock this shit off. You know who you are. I'm talking directly to you now. You don't want to be my friend after this. I understand. But that's on you. I'm trying to fucking help you. Because you need help. And unfortunately. This. is addressed to a lot of you I'm sure I got a note that says um the phony tough right and I'm crossing that off the list because I think we just talked about that and it's we know we're fucked up we know we're broken right but we still put on this front and that's exactly the conversation that went on with me last night brother told me he's like I'm good at putting on a mask and that's I was that same way too, and I call it the phony tough because that's exactly what I was. I walked around. I would be physically violent at work with people, not because I'm proud of that. I talk about that in my classes. I'm actually, it's one of the most embarrassing things in my life, but I was phony tough, and I was I was dying inside and I needed, needed fucking help, and so what did I do? I put on that mask to appear to be stronger than I really was. You guys know that the most vulnerable time for us is on our off days. It's when we're not on the clock. When we're around the people that we love and when we're around those people that have our backs through thick and thin, that's not our most dangerous time. Our most dangerous time is when we don't have that. And so when you're off duty, you got to think about those things. We got to have 
checks and balances in place to keep ourselves out of these, these dangerous places. And you know what those dangerous places are for you. And they're, they're different for each individual. Mine was bars. Mine was anything alcohol related. Get me on a boat with my buddies. You knew what was happening. You know, we're going out in the boat and getting fucked up. And then we're driving home drunk, you know, and it's at what point do you grow out of that shit? You know, if you're in your forties, I'm going to, there's another direct message to anybody listening to this. If you're in your fucking forties, you know what? We all have our goddamn problems. Every single one of us, we have problems. That's not an excuse to wreck your fucking life. That's what weak people do. And we're not in the business that we're in because we're weak. We're very fucking strong people. So you got to think about that. The shit that we've been able to handle, the shit we've been able to shoulder for so long and go through. And we can't even handle our own bullshit. It's because we're, we're, we're doing it wrong. It's because we resort to the wrong methods. I know I've been there. I'm living proof that you can knock that shit off and that you can turn your life around. And it's still going to be hard. But you know what? I wouldn't want it any other fucking way. Challenge me, motherfucker. Let's go. And that's the way you need to look at it. If you're having problems and you know you have problems, sack the fuck up. Challenge yourself. Don't go sober for 30 days or 60 days and at the end be looking so forward to that 61st day. All right, on 61st day, we're getting fucked up because that's stupid. But challenge yourself. Next time my friend calls me to go out and enable him, I'm not fucking doing it. And don't do it. Don't have a hand in that bullshit. Instead, help that motherfucker. And y'all go do something constructive together. I don't care if you go sit down in a park and color a fucking picture in an old goddamn Tom and Jerry magazine. I actually heard the career, um, the Center of Excellence in Maryland. I was sitting down talking to another firefighter at his home not long ago. He said that was actually one of the things that they did. They sat down and they colored. Grown fucking men sitting down and coloring. I think it's fucking beautiful. I think it's fantastic. It's better than two grown men sitting in a bar telling war stories, going home alone. I can drag this out all day talking about this stuff, but I think I got the point across. Stop being a fucking phony, phony tough. Do something about the situation. You got people that depend on you. And I was saying earlier, if you're in your fucking 40s, man, if you are in your 40s, there's certain things that are just inexcusable. If you're in your 40s and you have a family and your family's coming second to that bottle, you're failing them. And I'm putting you on blast and you know it. Anybody that's hearing this, if this pertains to you, you turn this off if you want. You don't want to hear the truth? Fuck it. But you're failing your family. You're failing people that depend on you. And you want to know the other hard part? You're failing the people at work that depend on you to be 100%. When you started this job, when you started this profession, if you're a cop, if you're in fire, you're in dispatch, whatever you're in, I guarantee your first day to work, you were completely sober, you were laser fucking focused, and that is completely the opposite wherever you are in your career now if you're having problems. You're a shell of what you used to be, And whatever you're using to get yourself through, it's hurting the people who depend on you. And it may it may never bite you in the ass, but I promise you this: if it does bite you in the ass, you you're gonna you're gonna live with that shit the rest of your life. 
when I was getting on a ladder truck, when I was driving it, there were days where I would show up and I was completely inebriated, intoxicated. And I don't mean buzzed. I'm talking fucking drunk. And I would be driving my crew around and I look back and that's one of the most selfish things I've ever done in my life. Cause there were people on that rig that depended on me and they have families. And if something would have happened, that was on me. Don't let that be you. I know as I've gotten older and uh, I had I had to take a break after that, man. I, I, re- I very rarely ever hit stop on this thing because I just like it to come out. But that was heavy as shit for me. And um, I don't have a problem admitting that to you. I don't have a problem letting complete strangers know sometimes that something hurts anymore. I mean, because it, it's fucking stupid. Who cares? I'm a fucking human being, so are you, right? One of the one of the most uh, important if y'all hear my clicking, I'm clicking that pen boy crossing some things off the list I really wanted to get to this morning. Um one of the most important things to me has um has turned like one of the most important things in my life is spending spending time with people that I love. It wasn't always like that. Um, obviously, uh, I think a lot of us take time for granted. I speak about that very often. But the older I get, the, just the more important the, the time thing becomes to me to be able to to do things. I missed my daughter's last soccer game this year. I was at the uh, mental wellness summit yesterday, and it was crushing me, man, because I can't. I don't get that experience back. So I try to make up for it in other ways, and I promise myself I'm not going to be that father who's always gone. But as I teach more post-traumatic purpose courses, as I, I speak more at these conventions, I'm that father who's who, who's gone a lot. And that's why it's important. Like I, I made it a point the other day. And that's why I tell you this. And maybe you maybe you should do that too. I'm aware you could. I don't know. I'm not giving, giving advice when it comes to, you know, being a dad or a husband or whatever, or a mom or a wife. But it's taking advantage of little moments, right? Living in the moment. And I wasn't always so good at that because I was always preparing for the worst. And every time I prepared for the worst, the worst never happened. And it was because I was I was so hypervigilant that I was living in these hypervigilant states. And I'm constantly planning for this attack, this bomb to go off. That plane is going to crash on top of our house. And when the plane starts coming down, will I hear the engine? Will I, will I notice it? Do I take my family real quick? Do I have enough time to run out and jump in the pool? And go to the bottom of the pool and get everybody a snorkel um, because we got to stay there. Or when that tree limb fucking breaks, am I going to hear it cracking so I can move my family out of the way? Or that sounds stupid, but these are the things I think when I hear a plane. I immediately think it's going to crash into the fucking house because that's what normal people think when they hear a plane. So when I hear a jet flying over. I don't think, oh man, where are those happy people going? No, my my past doesn't allow me to do that. My past allows me to think, oh, those motherfuckers are about to die. And it's sad, but that's the truth. So I'm planning for that. Um, I talk about hypervigilance being the most exhausting thing in my life. Because I never get to relax. Always in the ready. When I sit in my lazy boy, don't think that I'm not strapped to the teeth and I got a pistol on my side or in my chair somewhere near me because you ain't catching me while I'm fucking relaxing homes. It's just not going to happen. Um, I'm ready 
I'm ready even when I'm watching Netflix, motherfucker. And that's exhausting. You know, it's it sounds funny, but it's exhausting. And uh, I very rarely get to live in the moment, so I try to be more mindful of that, especially the older I get. And the other night, my dad and I are sitting on the porch. Before I left to go out of town, my dad and I were at the farm stretching some some cattle fence. And I'm getting ready for my new horses to come. And I think next week. I think they're coming next week. We got to go out there this week and get a do a little bit do a little bit more fencing, and then I should be good. And I got to run a water line to their 300 gallon water tank. And other than that, we're good. But uh, I was sitting on the porch. There was a full moon out, and it was kind of chilly. It dipped into I think the the high 50s, which was pretty chilly. You know, I know you fuckers up north are like that ain't shit. But hey, we tropical people down here, we don't deal with that that, that cold shit too well. So. It dipped in the 50s, and we were comfortable on the porch. My back was hurting. My knees were hurting. My feet were hurting. My hands were beat to shit and all scratched up because we had we had just put up 600 feet of fence that day, uh, of wire fence. And, you know, I'm stupid. I don't wear gloves because I can't – I don't feel like I can work in gloves because I don't have that dexterity. And I used to get in trouble at the fire department all the time. Well, not – I didn't. I wouldn't get in trouble in the old days. After our fire, everything in the fire department changed. And now we had safety guys, and we never knew what the fuck safety guys were. And then just a couple quick stories before I get back to my point. Um, I didn't like wearing gloves, and I was always taught to wear not wear gloves. My buddy Lewis didn't wear gloves. My captain didn't wear gloves. We didn't wear gloves until we got so deep in a fire where your fucking hands started burning. Then you'd stop and you put your gloves on. Same as um, with the Nomex hoods, right? We'd go in and we'd keep pushing until it just got so hot, your fucking ears would light up, and then you'd pull your Nomex up, right? So... I was telling somebody the other day too. You know what else we fucking did? The um, this is true shit. I remember my first day at Engine Six um, downtown in Charleston when I when um, when I got assigned there. Lewis, one of the first things he made me do, he was my engineer. He made me pull the liner, that fucking liner inside of your fire pants. He made me pull that out, and so and I was like, why am I doing that? And it's to protect me. He said, you don't need that shit. All it does is make those pants heavier. And I shit you not, this is how it was back then, pulled the fucking protective liner out. And then, so my pants, essentially, they were just like a pair of fucking sweatpants. I mean, they were just big baggy pants and there was no protection inside of them. So when your nuts would get hot in a fire, that's why. Um, I told somebody that the other day and they were like, do what? And I was like, dude, I could tell you fucking stories about the dumb shit, but there's no need to even go in there. But anyway... So I didn't like to wear gloves. My whole crew didn't back then. And a lot of the old timers were the same way. Shit, we still had guys on the job. This is no bullshit. My buddy David Griffin talks about this. Um, that would carry a fucking sponge. Y'all, y'all want to hear how crazy? This is the early 2000s, all right? They would carry a sponge in their fucking cargo pocket in their pants. And what they would do is wet that sponge. Instead of putting an air mask on, they would wet the sponge, stick it in their mouth, and that's how they would breathe in a house fire through that sponge and that sponge would suck up a lot of that smoke. I'm telling you it was fucking wild. Not everybody did that. There's a couple of dudes I know that I don't, but I'm not a name dropper, but yeah, it was, it was very real back then. (laughs) Oh, so anyway, I didn't like wearing gloves and I remember I was at a fire one time and we're making entry and now we had a safety chief, which was just fucking unheard of. And he runs up and he's like, Travis, you got to put your gloves on, man. And I was like, do what? He's like, you got to put your fucking gloves on. So I put my gloves on and we go into the fire. And then 
a couple fires later, I'm cutting a, a garage door with a K12 trying to make entry in this garage. I don't have gloves on and I don't have um, safety glasses on. Again, safety chief comes up. This is, I think I've told this story in previous podcasts, but he comes up and pretty much threatened my job over that shit. Um, so I had to stop and put my eye protection and glove up. But naturally what I was getting at is I didn't, I just, I don't like wearing gloves. So on my farm, very seldom will I wear gloves unless it's like freezing cold out. But, uh, my hands were all scratched as shit getting back to my point. My body was all beat up and I'm sitting here at 43 years old and I'm looking at my old man sitting right there with me. Who's working just as hard, if not harder than me, because he's 71 and I knew I wanted to sit down and take a break. And I knew he was probably enjoying sitting in that rocking chair, taking a break, but I wanted, we were talking about the moon. We were complimenting how well the field looked with it lit, lit up. And so I looked at my dad, I said, let's hop on a Polaris and go for a ride, a side-by-side Polaris. And I go, let's go out and sit in the field. And he said, okay. And he got up and we, we went and we took a drive into the field and we just sat there and we looked at the moon. We looked at some of the stars that we could see and we had a great conversation about all that and about how beautiful it looked out. And I was just thinking that was just one little small moment and one little memory that I'll have that I probably wouldn't have remembered the conversation and the moment sitting on the porch, but that I, I consciously made the effort to go be un, a little bit more uncomfortable and go out into the field. With my dad and something that simple. And I try to I try to do stuff like that in my life now. It's just to like create little, little moments of, um, of happiness by living in whatever moment it may be. And it feels pretty good to do that stuff. I don't know what, what episode it started happening on, but I like asking questions now. It's almost like I, as if we're sitting here having a conversation, if you're in your car at the gym and shit, but whatever you're, whatever you're doing, I like asking questions and it's not like I get to hear the answers to every single one, but let me ask you something because I know this was a hard thing for me. When is the last time that you owned your shit? When's the last time you really apologized for something without an excuse and made a true apology? When's one of the last times like you wronged somebody or you treated somebody poorly And you went up to them, and instead of making it their problem, you are the problem. You know, and the reason I ask that is because when I teach post-traumatic purpose courses, you know, we have spouses out to these things. and And I hear the same thing over and over and over from spouses. I always feel like I'm walking on eggshells when, when he comes home, um, and I always feel like it's my fault. And we're pretty good at doing that to y'all. And I'm just speaking from a man's perspective because that's, that's who I am. That's the only, I only see that, that, that way. And I'm sure it's the opposite way, you know, with women, women on the job and they come home and they have a man. I don't know. I I don't want to speak out of turn, but I'm sure there's some women out there that are affected. And when they come home, their husband doesn't know who they're getting. So my question is, when's the last time that you manned up, womaned up? pulled your partner to the side or just whoever it could be a friend and like, Hey, look, I'm sorry for being an asshole for whatever this, this, this was. And here's the big kicker. There's no excuse for it. When's the last time you said some shit like that? Because I'm going to tell you when I started doing that, I started dropping weight off of my back. And when you have no excuse left to give, 
when you don't have to justify your behavior towards someone. Our natural human instinct is to do that, is to justify our every action that we make, right? But when you no longer do that, man, you're in fucking control and that's powerful shit. And some people will accept it for what it is. Some people will never accept it. But you, at the end of the day, that's one weight that you get to take off your fucking back and off your chest. I encourage you to do that today, actually, whenever you listen to this. Don't plot it out. Don't think of the perfect timing because there's never a fucking perfect time. Pick up your phone. Don't text. Make it as personal as you can. If you can see the person face to face, I would encourage you to do that. Those of you out there who are fucking up your own home life because of whatever it is you're going through. Speaking from experience. Stop today. Recognize your shit. When you get home, have a fucking talk with somebody. Whoever that somebody is. On the other end of your bullshit, have a talk with that person. Let them know that something's going on with you. Maybe what whatever you're going through, how you treated them, has caused them to react to things with you. Have you ever thought about that? That's a hard one because we immediately acknowledge the other person as, oh, well, he did this or she did this to set me up. Yeah, but what'd you do prior to that? What eggshells did you put in front of them that they had to walk on? And when they finally flipped that switch to set you off, what did you do? So I, what I was good at was I was always good at, well, you did this, and this is why I reacted this way. Instead of me saying, you know what? I'm 100% in the wrong. There's no fucking excuse for it. I should be a bigger man. And I should not react that way towards you. Now it's cowardly of me. That's weak of me. And I'm sorry. And I absolutely have no excuse for that. When's the last time you've ever done some shit like that? And I'm going to tell you right now. You want to see some positive change in your life? Like real, I'm serious. So these are instant things that we can do that will not only change your fucking life. It will make you feel better. And see, we don't even realize that because we're so wired to justifying everything that we do and everything that we say, we don't even realize that, hey, look, if I have no justification for it, I don't have to come up with all these fucking reasons. That's a weight in itself that I'm unloading right there. I promise you, I I promise you, I have done it multiple times and it feels fucking amazing. The other person may look at you like you're fucking crazy, but like, where's this coming from? You don't even have to tell them where it's coming from, but I'm telling you shit at home can change too. At the end of the day, a lot of us are dealt, we're dealt shitty circumstances. And here's, here's the kicker to that. It's not the circumstances fault that we treat people like shit. It's our fault. It's, The way that we react to those circumstances. And we're in control of that. 
ultimately we have control of that. I was on the phone with someone yesterday who's had some shitty circumstances. And this person told me, you know, it's just one thing after another. And my, my advice was, you know what? Well, you better start picking yourself up because that's never going to stop. Shitty circumstances are always coming. And the longer you lay down on that fucking floor, the harder it is to get out from underneath that blanket of circumstances that you're laying under right now. So you better start removing fucking layers of circumstances and start pressing on and stop feeling sorry for yourself because that's what you're doing. And sometimes that tough love is, is, is what we need to hear versus the old, Oh, I'm so sorry this happened. And well, you know what? It does suck, but what are you going to do about it? You don't deserve to be miserable. Nobody does. We all deserve happiness. And you may not, you may not think that you may have that survivor's guilt. I've been there. I get it. But nobody's put here to be fucking miserable. Deal with your circumstances accordingly and press the fuck on because more are coming. And if you're not prepared for that, you're never going to have good days ever. We only get so many good days. I feel like I feel like everybody's good days are numbered because there's plenty of bad days out there to offset those good days, right? But if you have a bad day and you start letting it control your future good days, then all your good days turn into fucking bad days. And then when more bad days come, more shitty circumstances, now your last two, three, four years have been nothing but bad days with maybe a glimpse of a good day here and there. Versus having a shitty day, something real bad happening, you going through the mourning process, the grieving process, getting over that, then coming out to some brighter days, some good days for months on end, and bam, you get slapped with more shitty circumstances. Well, at least you had some good days in there. And now you got to go back through that same process. But if you don't, all your days are just going to be shitty. So handle your circumstances accordingly. Grieve and get the fuck over it and press on. That's all I got for today, guys. I, I This one drained me. It This fucking drained me. Um, hope y'all have a great week. Um, I got, I'm going to be at my farm for a little bit. And then hopefully when this drops next week, I'll be able to record episode 42. And let's do some more uplifting stuff. Because uh, yeah, this one was tough. And, but it needs to be said, accountability, right? Take personal accountability of yourself and of those around you. Because that's the business we're in. That's the business we're in. Have a good one.